Hey everyone, it's Jeff from MCS Magazine, and yup, it's my turn again to rant and rave about my biggest frustrations when it comes to survival planning. And we also have a new voice for you this week as we welcome Greg Gillies to our team. Now this week we're going to talk about my personal area of expertise, bugging out, and the top five biggest bug out mistakes that could get you killed in a real disaster. Now, I see people making these mistakes with their evacuation plans all the time, and I have a lot of steam to let off. So, let's not waste any time and hand it over to Greg to get us started. If bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Let's face it, survival is a huge industry these days. It's become a monster topic for reality shows, popular culture, zombie fanatics. I'm one of those. A growing culture of preparedness in the United States in general. And this is a good thing, right? Of course, but the problem is when an industry like this gets flooded with whacked out reality shows, your gurus, your internet forum know-it-alls, there are always going to be myths and misinformation that go along with it. And unfortunately, in this industry, those myths can get you killed. You know, probably in no other area of survival is this more obvious than the concept of what's a forced evacuation or what's called a bug-out scenario. You know, if you look all over the Internet, you'll find endless lists of bug-out bag gear, bug-out advice. You'd swear it was taken straight from an episode of The Walking Dead. You know, so how do you sort out the misinformation from the facts? Make sure you're getting the, the right stuff. How do you plan for and, and you, you and your family's survival in a forced bug-out based on good, solid knowledge and not just sensationalism and fantasy. You know, and that's been a thorn in the side of today's special insider guest for a long time. He has his top five list of bug-out myths he'd like to get off his chest right now and share with you. Um, hello, everyone. This is Greg Gillies from Modern Combat and Survival with another podcast to help you better prepare for a role as a protector and a patriot. And today we've, we're joined by our very own Jeff Anderson, the editor for MCS Magazine and a combat military veteran with extensive survival experience drawn from his time in the service. And Jeff, I, I'd like to say welcome to the program, but this is your program. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I use it as my soapbox. Every now and then I'll just I'll use it as my, as my soapbox just to get stuff off my chest. I understand. It's like my it's turn. You just have to do that. You get certain things that get to you, and, and luckily you have a forum to... Uh, event yeah yeah yeah, i'm looking forward to hearing what's upset you the most but uh before we jump in for those of you who are new listeners to our broadcasts and aren't familiar with jeff he's one of the guys who really likes to draw from real world experience for his training his combat experience has put him in the middle of a city in chaos as well as on long distance tactical missions that when you come right down to it embody much of you would have to to do in a bug out scenario it's because Jeff feels so strongly about this topic that we decided to discuss the five most deadly bug-out myths and the truth of how to survive a forced evacuation or bug-out scenario. You can learn more about Jeff and all of our training resources at moderncombatandsurvival.com. All right, Jeff, let's dig into these bug-out myths that could get people killed. What's first on your list of traps that you feel people fall into? 
Yeah, this comes. Uh, this kind of goes back to your introduction, where you know you were saying one of the one of the most deadly scenarios you can be in is a bug out scenario, and the reason for that is is because you know you're it's just, you're out there, like you're not in the shelter of your home, and so the first myth that that I want to talk about, or the the the, the problems that that people might experience when it comes to bugging out, is that question of whether or not you should actually bug out. So, you know, the best case scenario, you would be in some sort of a disaster, some sort of a scenario where you can stay at home. I mean, your home is going to be your best place to shelter in place if you, in any sort of disaster because you have your supplies there, you have shelter there, you have you can have security there, you can fortify your house if there's any chaos outside. Uh, so that's always going to be your best scenario. But there are some people who, like, that's their only their only plan. It's they they only plan for that sort of a scenario. They have maybe a, a separate pantry where they have tons and tons of canned goods and things like that. They have all you know weapons there that are specifically for being able to defend a home. So it might be rifles and things like that. But there are times where your your home is going to be your fortress. But then there are times where you're not going to have a choice. You know sometimes your your home is not going to be the best place to survive. And when that happens, you you have you've only got seconds to get out. Typically, uh, I've just gone through a, a survival scenario here in my town, and a lot of the people did not want to leave their homes. There was a big we just um, had a, a massive flood, and people you know, homes were dragged into the river, and there were still so many people who just did not want to leave their homes. They didn't think that it was going to be that big of a disaster, or it was just they were so connected to their stuff. So you've really you have to build in a bug out plan into your emergency preparedness that you're you're taking care of for your family. And it has to be one where you can leave in a matter of seconds because you weren't you're not always going to get that warning that it's time to go. You're not going to get an hour, you're not going to get 2 hours. And even if you do, seconds count because what's going to end up happening is that roads are going to get backed up. I mean, you think this is what I tell people, like if you live in a city or if you have to go through a city to get to work or something like that, you know, I'm, I'm a procrastinator by nature. <laughs> so I, I know just like when I used to get up and go to go to my corporate job when I when I had it, if if I left at eight thirty five and if I left at eight thirty in the morning, I could get through traffic and I know I could get there before nine o'clock. If I left at eight thirty five, I was screwed. Like it was just there's like this tipping point that happens. And I think anybody that, that commutes to work and, and, and enters into like the traffic zone understands exactly what I'm talking about. Whether you're going to or you're coming from work, there's like this tipping point where oh, you know, that five minutes you just got screwed. So it's the same thing when you're bugging out. You have to be able to make that decision that it's time to go, and and when you do, you need to be able to get in the car and go. And what ends up happening is that even when people finally say, okay, I guess, you know what, we should leave, by then it's probably too late. And most people are then are scrambling around trying to figure out, okay, what do I take? Um, there's a flood coming. What do I get off the floor? What do I, you know, grab the suitcase. Kids, grab the suitcase. We're getting ready to go. So, all of that time is going to take you 20, 30 minutes, maybe even more. Well, you just lost your window of opportunity, even if you made the decision in time. So, so you have to have a bug out plan in place. So this is the myth, you know, or, or the, the, the trick that everybody needs to understand is you have to have a bug out plan and you have to have a means of, of having 
uh, your survival gear ready to go in under five minutes. Now, it typically means what we, you know, we refer to as a bug out bag. So that's really going to be your, your, your only option. If you don't have that in place, then it's very likely that you're going to get stalled. You're going to get stuck in place and be forced like to be in that potentially the kill zone of whatever that, that disaster is. I mean, you, you might be out of your home, but if you're stuck on a highway somewhere, backed up because you didn't make the, you didn't have a plan in place and you didn't make that decision quick enough and you didn't have the gear ready to go, now all of a sudden you're not even in your home during the disaster. You're in a car on potentially flooded roads or in the path of a wildfire or in a contaminated area or something like that. Yeah, that's um, that's a really interesting point, and a couple of things on that. And I may be jumping the gun because you may be covering this, but a couple of things that that stood out is, um, right there, what you finished with with as far as the having a plan, is you know I'm just trying to imagine having never been in a situation like that, that even if you have maybe the right stuff in your home, you know I can't imagine the stress of going through that, and when you do make that decision, if you don't have it all together and ready to go. That, you know, you, your mind's probably going a million miles a minute and you're probably not going to grab the right stuff anyway, even if you have it available in the house. If it's not, like you mentioned, yeah. a bug out bag, if it's not ready to go. Um, just, and, and the other thing, and you may go in, you may go into this, but in, when we, the introduction for you and the, and the myths and so forth, two things that stuck out, like you mentioned, um, food and the two biggest things I always hear, food and water, food and water. And it's always about, you know, storing canned food. Like you said, that's great if you're in your house, bottle water. Well, what stands out for me is both of those things are pretty heavy. <laughs> yeah. You can only take so much with you. And you may be getting right into, in, into that at some point, but that just, you know, if, if you're, you're not, I mean, I would, I would personally would love to, to hear about that because those are the two most important things we always hear about. And the two solutions are water's heavy and canned food's heavy, you know, yeah. but, um, so we'll go, maybe this will be the next one. I don't know. You'll surprise. Me. So, what's the you know, what's the second biggest myth that really really gets you when it, when you talk about a, a bug out scenario? Well, I'll talk about food and water in a little bit. But something okay. you said, you know, about that, you know, making those decisions, you might be making the wrong decisions, kind of leads us into um, mistake number two, and that is not having a plan B destination and a plan B route to get there. So, there's the decision to leave, but you know, if you are scrambling around trying to get everything. That you, that you need, and then that that's a very chaotic point in time when you've decided, okay, oh my God, there's something coming that's forcing us out. We need to get to, uh, we need to get out of here. Is only part of it. You need to be thinking then, like, okay, which, where do I go? And that's not something you do in a in a moment's notice, and it's not something you can really plan, especially when if somebody is trying to scramble around, trying to put everything into a suitcase or. Even, you know, your bug out bag, things like that. That's why if you can just grab and go, you've got the mental headspace available to be able to make the determination. But again, the time to plan where you're going to go is not at the time where you have to go. So, so the mistake that people make is not having a plan B destination and a plan B route to get there. So in the military, we always had a backup plan because we always know that our position might not be available. We can map it out the best we can on a map and, and, and all of a sudden on your path there, you run into like enemy contact or something, or you find that the location that you wanted to go to is cut off from supply or the unit that was going to be a backup is now in another location. So you never know where your actual, you know, you, you can have your primary destination set out, but it might not be the right, the right place. So when somebody's thinking about, okay, we have to leave, we have to bug out. 
where do we go? Well, let's go to grandma's house over in, you know, in uh, Oklahoma, and you live in New Jersey. Right. Well, you might not be able to make it to that location, and you you have to be able to have a plan B route to get to your, your other destination. So one, one thing we tell people is, I mean, here's what you need to do is kind of, you need to get out a map and then from your home, you need to draw a, like a 360 degree circle around your location. And that's typically what you're looking for is between 75 and 150 miles away. So because, and the reason why I say 75 to 150, because that's typically like a quarter to a half tank of gas or a three days walk if you had to. Um, you're not going to go 150 miles typically in three days, but you can usually get about 75 miles if you've got, if you're really fit, you know, if you're in good shape and you can, and you're packed up right appropriately, then you're going to be able to, um, you're going to be able to, uh, uh, be able to make that, that transition a lot faster. So draw this 360 degree circle around your home. And then within that circle, look for where your destinations might be in different directions because you might, be you know you might have a plan A to get to grandma's house that let's say it's it's uh 75 miles away and and the reason I say, you know I say between 75 and 150 because in between there is typically that you know it's you're going to still be in the danger zone of whatever that disaster is so you want in that range between 75 and 150 so then you look in different directions now so if if grandma's house which is 75 miles away is is not an option because that's where the storm's coming through or there's a major bridge that's there that's that's in you know that might you might not be able to get past or whatever the reason is you might have to go in the other direction it might be away from a hurricane or or something like that so then you have those different options but you can brainstorm the areas within that 75 to 150 miles that would be your ideal locations you have a plan A a plan B and a plan C if you can so that you you have those options available uh, you're, what you're looking for are about three to four different op- options in, in opposite directions. That's what's going to give you kind of your, your best plan out there. And one thing, if you don't know anybody in those different areas, then one of the best things I tell people is to consider campgrounds. I mean, campgrounds are actually, they can work really well, um, even though you might be in the elements. But if you have a camper or if you have something that you can get, or even if you're just, you have a tent, you know, campgrounds are, are oftentimes in secluded locations. They're off the beaten path. So you don't have to worry about others who are fleeing the, the area that might be taking up hotels and, and things like that. So it's going to be really hard to find lodging within a certain range away from, away from your home. People are going to start jamming those up pretty quickly. But campgrounds don't really get that backed up. And you don't really want to go into like FEMA stations and things like that if you don't have to. Because you're not going to be allowed to take in weapons in there. You're going to be limited on what you're going to be able to, to do. So campgrounds are actually not too, not too bad. Um, so that's that's another option for people. Okay. Um, yeah, interesting. That's one I, I wouldn't have thought of. And the w- one thing you mentioned you kind of alluded to there with how chaotic it can be and other people fleeing that you mentioned in the beginning as far as the distance as well. For me, again, goes <laughs> kind of goes back to the – the, the weight of the bug out and, you know, what you're taking with you. Because, like you said, you may not be able to just shove as much stuff as you want into your SUV because you might end up walking, Yeah, you know, to, to get where you, you need to go. And so everything that's essential, you're going to need to be able to carry in, in some way. So um, that's actually a perfect lead-in. 
Okay, you've been listening to my personal rants about what I consider to be the top five bug-out mistakes that could get you killed in a real disaster. And we have a lot more to cover, including bat cave prepping, why so many preppers have a horrible gas problem, and the most critical survival mistake I see people struggling with that could literally stop you dead in your tracks. But first, check out this special message. In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos, or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them. And how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug-out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie. But you know that no one can protect your family better than you can. If you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival, don't wait until it's too late. Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show. Okay, we're back with my interview with Greg Gillies as I unveil my top five bug-out mistakes that can get you killed in a real disaster. Now, I'm starting to feel a little bit better here getting all this off my chest. So, let's pick up where we left off and dig deeper into my own little personal therapy session. Let's go ahead and get started. So we're heading into number three now. Let's get to the third biggest bug out bit. Yeah, so here's here's a big mistake that people make, and I call it bat cave prepping. <laughs> the, and, it, and it has to do with um, what you were just saying. Like, you have to get your hands on things pretty quickly, right? So um, a lot of people who consider themselves survivalists or preppers have, like, um, you know, it's I call it their bat cave. It's where they store their survival gear and, um, you know, I've seen pictures that people proudly post up in forums and things like that. And it's this pantry full of, of canned goods and there's gas masks hanging off the wall. And there's, you know, the, 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 the rifle rack in the back that they've got all their stuff. And there's their bug out bags ready to grab and go. And it's got their boots on top and it's got their camouflage pants and it's got everything ready to go. Well, that's great if you're at home and something happens where you have to bug out. But if you, let's say that you are 30 minutes away from home and a disaster hits, and if you have to rally your family together, your spouse is at work, you're at work, the kids are at school, if you're 30 minutes away from home, now you have to go back to your home 30 minutes away and then get all your stuff and then get back out on the road. And we talked about before where your, you know, the, the roads can back up very quickly. You might never even get to your home. Your home might get wiped out by a disaster. It could be wiped out by a flood or a tornado or something like that, and all of a sudden it's gone. Now all of your survival gear is gone as well, or the roads do get backed up. 
You're not able to even get to your home, so you can't get to your gear. It puts you even further behind the curve of getting out of the danger zone. If, you're, if your wife and, and kids or your spouse and your kids also have to go back to get stuff, then all you're doing is just wasting precious time. And again, when a disaster, when is that, when a disaster hits, it's not minutes that count. It's not hours that count. It's seconds that count. And so what I tell people is forget the bat cave prepping. It's okay to have your shelter in place materials at home, but you don't need some clandestine location for all of your survival gear. The best place for your bug out bag, the only place to store your bug out bag is inside of your vehicle. And if your spouse goes to work in a different vehicle or something like that, then they also have their survival gear in there. What if something were to happen to you? Then you have to be able to allow them to have their own survival gear that they need as well. Now, I'm not saying your kids bring their, their bug out bags to school every day, but typically you're going to be picking them up or your spouse is going to be picking them up or something like that. So all of the bug out gear that you have needs to be someplace where you don't have to make the decision to go back home because you might not even have that option. Uh, you see, your best chance is just to say, okay, it's evacuation time. We have all of our gear. Let's, you know, we'll meet at our route. That you, you, de- you determine what your rally point is, where you're going to meet up, and then you, you're able to evacuate from that location without having to go back and get stuck in, in, the, in the kill zone. Yeah, interesting. That, you know, that's, again, it's... Um something that uh, I don't think a lot of people think of. I didn't. When I'm used to seeing these situations on the news, it's usually a hurricane that, you know, might be hitting a certain place five days from now, and so people might might be home boarding up their houses or what have you. But the real, real disasters where this comes in handy and you have no real, really no warnings, good chance that you won't be at home. You know, yeah. <laughs> a lot Absolutely. of people, I don't think that even crosses their mind that it could happen at any time. And they could be anywhere. Um, so, um, yeah, that's a good one I, I wouldn't even have thought of. All right, so let's head on to uh, number four, number four yeah. biggest bug out myth. All right, so number four. So I call your mistake number four is not having a fuel plan as part of your emergency preparedness. And so a, a lot of disasters, power goes out. It could be a grid down situation. It could be a flood. It could be a tornado. Something's going to happen where the, the power goes out. I mean, the power goes out even without disaster. So it's it's very likely that it's going to go out. When that happens, uh, fuel pumps don't pump fuel. So there's no gas going. Uh, there, A lot of people can't take credit cards. They're not able to process them. So we're, we're very dependent upon electricity. And, again, if you're, if you're forced evacuation, you can only get to your safe zone if you can travel there. And the best mean, as, as much as we all love our bug out bags, it, it's only cool until you actually start walking with that damn thing. <laughs> like five miles down the road, most people aren't, first of all, aren't in shape to be able to do a long term, you know, bug out with a bug out bag. Right. So your best case scenario is going to be your vehicle that you can have all of your, all of your survival gear in there because you can have a lot more in there. And, and then to be able to get to your safe zone in your vehicle. Now, if you uh, don't have a fuel plan, what, what ends up happening, all these horror stories that people tell you about the evacuation routes are just, are just clogged and they're at a standstill, is largely because people run out of gas or their vehicle breaks down. Right. And so what ends up happening is somebody's in the middle lane, they, their, their car uh, breaks down, and then you have to, somebody has to push it off to the side of the road. 
Um, that ends, ends up taking a long time. It backs up traffic just like that. Now, those people are off begging for people to, to help with, you know, can you spare some gas? Can we siphon out some gas? Because now they're looking at, oh, my God, we can't be here on the side of the road. So it creates this mass panic and chaos even on the roads themselves. And what ends up happening is most people, I won't say most people, a lot of people are, are not, you know, they're not keeping a full tank of gas. I don't keep a full tank of gas. And so there's going to be a lot of people running out of gas because there's no there, there is no no gas available. Uh, the, the the gas stations are going to pile up, and we've seen this time and time again. They just people are just crowded around the gas stations, waiting, hoping for the power to come on so that they can get some fuel. So you have to have a fuel plan in place, by, and assume that there is not going to be any gas available. And what you want to do is you want to make sure that your tank is always filled between a quarter and a half a tank of gas. Now, I know a lot of survivalists say you should never go below a half tank of gas. I've found, and, and talking with other survivalists as well, that's, that's really, like a lot of people don't really follow that rule. It's great if you do, but, I mean, it's, you're going to be traveling, you're going to be going to the gas station quite a bit to keep it at a half full. So you definitely, though, don't want it to go below a quarter of a tank of gas. A quarter of a tank of gas should be enough if you're able to make that decision very quickly and get out of town. It can give you about 75 miles, which is usually enough to at least get out of clogged areas. Um, if you're going in, a, if you've got that Plan B route, where you are going to be able to bypass, you know, maybe use alternative routes or whatever, you can bypass other tra- high traffic points. So keep your tank filled between a quarter to a half a tank at all times. And then what you want to do is you want to have about 10 to 15 gallons of, of fuel in your garage with fuel stabilizer in it. So when you put fuel stabilizer in it, it should last you about a year. So what you should do is just have like an anniversary date where you, you, you take that fuel, you can put that in your car, you can use that with that stabilizer in it. So you take that, that one year's gas, put it in your vehicle, you replenish the fuel that's in, in the, uh, the, the, the containers that you have in the garage, add more stabilizer to it, and just have those ready in a, um, uh, ready to go if if you should need them. So even if you were down to half a tank of gas or whatever, if you are at home and it's the decision to bug out, you can fill up your tank right there. Like don't plan on going to the convenience store on, down on the corner. Like okay, everybody, it's time to bug out. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and, and and get in the car because we need to get gas first. Assume that either the tanks are going to be out or there's going to be people in a, in a massive line waiting to get gas. And wouldn't it be great if you can just go right past them because you've now got a full tank of gas? The other thing you want to do is carry about 5 to 10 gallons on top of the vehicle, and this is important, in a concealed carrier, even if it's a car. So if you have some sort of a truck or an SUV or something like that that hopefully has like a luggage rack on top or something like that, um, you want to be able to... Um, I have a, I have just have this canvas, this canvas, like it's a bag, uh, you know, when we put, we put luggage up there or whatever, it just zippers around it and you can't see what's inside of it. And so putting the, the, like just having five to 10 gallons on top of the vehicle in those little two and a half gallon containers that are, you, you know, you can stand up, stand up right like you use for, for lawnmowers. Um, just have that up there just in case. So you've got backup fuel. Now, Fights break out over fuel when people are stranded alongside the road. And, and I've, I've talked with people who have been through this before. They have, um, they had fuel with them 
Um, I've heard some people that have had it like on the the back of their vehicle, like they had an SUV and they, they had a, a carrier on the back and had the fuel on there. And people were like, wait a minute. Hey, you've got gas. Let me, let's, you know, fill up, fill up my gas. I'll give you a hundred dollars for that gas. And then when, then you're in a forced position to say, no, I might need it. And people don't take too kindly to that. Um, one of the person that I talked to did, um, was running out of gas, pulled over, started to fuel their car with the tanks that they had. Somebody else who didn't have any fuel um, saw them, went over there, asked them for fuel, and, of course, the person said, no, I need the fuel, and a fight almost broke out. And fortunately, the police were there to, to help take care of it, I think is what he said. And so, you know, but the point is, is that when people get panicked, afraid, and desperate, fights can break out. So what you want to do is you want to have those 5, 10 gallons in, a, in some sort of a concealed carrier on top of your vehicle, you don't want it inside the vehicle because you're gonna, you're gonna die. So you have that up there. And then if you do need to fuel up, you need to, you need to go to a place where nobody can see you fueling up. Whether it's, you know, it's behind a, a shopping center or something like that or someplace where there are no people, when you need to refuel, go there, fuel up, get back out on the road. Yeah, make, that makes a lot of sense. While you're talking about that, it's funny, I'm just thinking about most of the, uh, the movies that involve scenarios like this. And according to them, all you have to do is just find a, an abandoned car if you ever even need gas <laughs> and you just siphon it easily or, or everyone knows how to hotwire. You just, <laughs> yeah. And you just yeah. go from car to car. You never, never worry about running out of gas. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Well, it helps if you know how to hotwire a car, but there are also <laughs> some other, you know, some other equipment that you, you can use. And this, so this will go into mistake number five that people okay. have. So actually, right. head into five. So mis- yeah, head into five. So here's the last one. And this is, um, this is what I call, uh, the mistake is not layering your survival gear in your bug out plan. And so what, what I mean by that, is vehicles do break down. They do run out of gas. You can get a flat tire. You can get locked up in an evacuation, you know, traffic jam, virtual parking lot, as everyone is out there, you know, everybody's trying to get out at the same time. So even with the best plan that you have, you can still get get locked up in all of this. Uh, you can still run out of gas if you're if you have to go to long uh, you know longer things. So there's specific equipment that you need inside of a vehicle for uh, for being able to get to your destination. You know, one of those things like you were saying, like you know, what okay, so what if you do run out of gas and now everybody the fuel pumps aren't pumping? It's a massive grid down situation in the United States. Well, there are going to be cars that you you might be able to get into and siphon gas out of, whether it's a used car parking lot or something like that. So, just as one example, you know, there there are these uh, siphons that you can get that are more mechanical. So the old days of like sucking it out into your <laughs> mouth and then here you know, with a tube, yeah, with a garden hose and like spinning it out. Um, you don't need to do that. They actually uh, make siphons now where it's almost like a, a, a the hand pump from the get like you put in the, at the gas station right into your car. So you can just you can put it in there. It has a special contraption on it that allows it to suck suck everything out, and you can basically use other cars like a fuel pump. So that's just one example of it. But the the point is this is that your supplies and your and your transportation need to be adaptable to the scenario that you find yourself in. You might have to transfer easily from each bug out mode from one bug out mode to another. 
So, you, you know, your home is a layer. So you need specific gear, specific supplies that you can have at home, but it's not going to be a good option on bugging out. Now, you, you brought up food and water as, as an example. So, you know, having a pantry full of canned goods is great, but when you need to carry something on your back, those heavy canned goods are not going to be your best option. Something more like ramen noodles or freeze-dried foods that don't contain water that are very lightweight are going to be a better option for you. So there, there are actually seven different layers that we talk about with how you need to layer your survival gear. And, and truly I find that this is usually the, the key indicator of how prepared somebody is, is, is how well layered they are with their survival plan. And I won't go into all the layers right now. Actually, there's, we have a, we have a free book actually that, that shows you how to do this step by step. So it's not, uh, um, they can just go to survivalgearsecrets.com and just get the free book right there. And that'll, that'll have all the seven layers in there. And then you can really kind of see where you fit in those and how well, how easily you can transition from, from one layer to another. So, um, and that's, and again, I think that's probably one of the, the key indicators of, of somebody looking at their own preparedness plan to see where they need to adjust, where they need to adapt and what they need to work on. That would be the, that would be the one place I would say to start. Okay. Okay. Great. Chris- it had to be seven layers because now, now I'm thinking about cake and I'm hungry. But uh, um, <laughs> isn't there a seven layer cake? I, I think there is. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> all right. So you feel a little better now. You've been able to get that all off your chest. Yeah, I could probably go on with twenty more. But um, <laughs> you know, the thing is, is that there there really is a lot of misinformation on the internet because a lot of people have. I mean, let's face it, a lot of people haven't had to actually evacuate a disaster. You know, I've been, I've been, I want to say, I guess I've been unfortunate enough that, you know, I've had both military experience and combat experience and, and real world survival experience with, with being faced with disasters and, and evacuations and things like that, that you're, you're really able to see the reality of what can happen and what works and what doesn't work. And I'm, I just kind of shake my head going around the internet looking at different blogs and different forums and, and people talking about, and, and they, and they're very confident in, in their opinions. Um, but I've tested those things in real life, not just like, wow, yeah, I can lift my bug out bag up. No, carry that thing for a hundred <laughs> miles. It's right. different. Carry it for five miles. A lot of people who have bug out bags have never, you know, they've, they've got it. It's ready to go, but they've never taken it, you know, five miles to see what it feels like, to, f- to figure out if they even have the right bag, if it's comfortable enough. A lot of these, bu- I've tested dozens and dozens of, of bug out bags, tactical bags and, and, and different designs. And a lot of them look really cool. And then you put them on and they're very uncomfortable. They don't have the weight position correctly. They're not designed appropriately. Um, they're, they're, they just don't work. But you won't know that unless you actually take it. And you don't even have to go down, you don't even have to go five miles. I mean, just wear it around your house for a while. Um, you know, be careful near the China, but just wear it around your house and see how it feels after five, ten minutes. And whenever we started off in the military, when we started a road march, we would always stop about a half mile in to where we were going to for an adjustment break. And so, you know, because you have everything packed up and then you get out there and rather than, okay, we're going to take our next break in, in, in 45 minutes, 
you know, we would just go about a half mile and stop. And that's our adjustment period. It's like, okay, this has been wearing away on my right side. I've got my canteens in the wrong section. So that's your adjustment period. So you, you live with the, the pain for a half mile and then, then you get to adjust everything and get it all right. So, you know, there's, I just caution people to be, be aware of a lot of the stuff that's out there is just not based on, on reality or, or real life experience. Yeah, like you said, the very, very few people, luckily, have been through stuff like this. So to them, it's all theory, and it might sound great. It might sound, you know, like it makes sense. But then getting out there, like you mentioned with the bag, I mean, it could be something that's comfortable walking, you know, half a block, but you know, two miles, all of a sudden, you 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 know, you're you're bleeding from your right lower back because of the way yeah. it's digging in, or. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. Exactly. It's completely different, but um. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is uh, this has been great stuff, and uh, hopefully, it's forced some people to take a, a much harder look at what their current plan is if they ever actually are forced to, to bug out in an evacuation. You know, hopefully not, but again, it's something you just you just never know if or when it, it's going to happen. Um. Okay, everyone, that wraps things up for this week's MCS podcast. Be sure to leave a comment on the blog about how you like the information, and, and definitely, please, feel free to leave one of your own secret frustrations you think people fall for when it comes to uh, bugging out. And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Greg Gilley saying, train hard, stay safe, prepare now. Thanks, everyone. Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.